Hi everyone, hope you're keeping well and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Gary Talks. Even though I don't know is tune in the correct terminology when talking about a podcast. But today I have a special podcast for you. I caught up with my good friend Barry Walsh from Power of Seven. And Power of Seven is a peer-to-peer coaching group which I joined about four or five years ago and it was one of the best business decisions that I made at the time. And I still attend my Power of Seven group every month. I'll let Barry explain to you shortly about what Power of Seven is all about. But the reality is surrounding yourself with people you can trust, people who challenge you and people who help you find a balance in your life can really make a difference whether you're a manager, a leader or an entrepreneur. And investing in yourself is just as important as investing in your business. And I suppose in the business world, we get so caught up in the business that we lose focus and time on ourselves and often, if we're truthful enough, on our family. And this is where programs like The Power of Seven really help make a difference. In this podcast, Barry talks about alignment in life, implementing the daily meds, setting intentions, the morning routine, his stop the week ritual, which I think you'll find really insightful and interesting. He also talks about where you get joy from in life and about how you can find clarity. Sit back, relax and enjoy. This is a GK Media Podcast. Barry, thank you very much for coming in and joining us in GK Media Studios today for Gary Talks. Delighted to be here, Gary. Thank you. I've known you for quite a few years now, and it's because I joined the Power of Seven group probably four years ago. And I've always said that joining the local Chamber of Commerce and joining Power of Seven were the big game changers for me. Joining the local Chamber of Commerce, it opened up doors where I got my foot in the door of businesses. You know, they they introduced me to people that I wanted to do business with. But for yourself, I mean, there's been huge leaps and bounds and discoveries and achievements. I think maybe you're best to explain what Power of Seven is and... I can then tell you really why it's so good for people. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to save me the the trouble, actually. Um, so what is Power 7? Yeah, uh, Power 7 is where a group of peers of seven people come together to share and support each other to become more successful in three pillars, themselves, their family and their business. That's Power 7. And I think that's the real interesting thing, because when you start off in business, or even if you've been in business for years, it does become all-consuming. And no one spends any time focusing, really, if they're honest, on themselves, or I'm sure, as the partners would say, on the family either. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's really what grabbed it for me, was this idea of actually, no, you got to take care of yourself, and you got to take care of your family. Yeah, and the business. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, getting those three in alignment. Mm. You know, people talk about work-life balance. And I remember, you know, using that phrase for a number of years and I was never really comfortable with it. 
because I feel I felt for me the image in my mind was like I'm on the I'm standing on a seesaw in the middle and I'm trying to balance these two parts of my life and actually that's stressful. So work life alignment for me just feels a lot better and in practice works a lot better. So the whole thing about the power of seven is that we we have these three pillars and we, we, we keep them aligned. And the idea is that we make progress in each of them around the same level. So we're kind of always aiming for an eight out of 10, 80% kind of yeah. satisfaction level. And actually I was, I was out running the other day and this kind of analogy came to my mind. And it's like, you know, our life is led by three horses, self, family and business. So self is obviously all about yourself, but it's also the things that nurture you, like relationships and exercise and, you know, inner health and mental health and so forth. And the family then is about, you know, maybe the, your family, your immediate family that you've created in this life and your, your, your blood family, where you came from. And then the business is the business. And, you know, maybe that's business owner or it's working in a business. But the three horses that kind of that they are, you know, if you think about a carriage, you know, and you've got three horses uh, drawing it and they need to be in alignment. And if one is, you know, going much faster than the other, that causes a problem. If one is going a different direction to the other, that causes a problem. So, you know, having those uh, on a par in alignment is really, really important. And that's what we focus on the power seven. Yeah, because I was explaining to Amy yesterday, who works with us here, you know, if you're putting all of your effort into the business, yourself is going to suffer and probably your family. Or if you put all the effort into yourself, you know, you're going off on retreats, you're in the gym four hours a day, you're really strict in your diet, you're not putting any energy into your business or your family and so on. And and something caves in on you. Yeah. Do you notice people from those who attend Power of Seven, which are monthly meetings, generally speaking, are they mostly consumed by business or are they pretty good with the alignment? Yeah, it's a good question. The very fact that they're open to join a Power of Seven could indicate that they've kind of been on that journey already, but maybe it's not really going as well as they'd like. So that's not always the case. Sometimes you get people who are very engrossed in their business and somehow they become part of a power seven. So it, it depends. But yeah, they, they they have this knowing that there's something not right. And again, go back to the horses. Like if one of those horses is sick and the others are well, yeah, that's going to be yeah. a problem. You know, I, 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 there's always, there was, there was one example that I often cite. I was in a group where one of the guys he, he, when, when, you know, as you know, Gary, when we do our update or check-in, mm-hmm. uh, we score each of those three areas out of 10. And his scores on that day were, um, and on the form, we have self, family and business. And he scored business first. He started with the business and he gave the business nine. And the only reason he gave it nine was because he never gives tens. Okay. And then when he came to the family, he gave it three. And when he came to himself, he gave it two. And he went on and all he talked about was the business. And as you know, again, when we finish the updates, we do some reflection, some group reflection, and we share with each other, you know, things that we heard or didn't hear or thoughts that we had. One of the guys said to him, he said, you need to sort your life out. And the guy took real offense to it. And he said, what do you mean? He said, well, all you ever talk about is the business, you know, here today, you're giving it nine. He said, what about the three and the two? And he said, what's going on there? He said, you didn't talk about that at all. And Ian went on to talk about the third conversation he was having about divorce. And he had two twin daughters and he was talking about how how they don't know him. He didn't know them. 
And the guys gave him a really tough time. Um, we call it kind of compassionate challenge. So really for his good, best interest. But he, he was actually, he was quite upset with the challenge that he got. And he was telling us he was driving home and he spent about half of the journey home really annoyed with the challenge that he got. Because he was saying to himself, uh, like at the time he was seemingly one of the fastest growing businesses in Europe. Oh, wow. Right. And he had got awards and so on. And he was going to say, I'm such a successful business person. How, who do they think they are to challenge me? Yeah. And he then looked up at his uh, rear mirror, which was askewed, and it actually was looking at him. And he saw a reflection of himself in the mirror. And he just saw this person he couldn't believe. And, you know, he saw how healthy he was. And, you know, the penny just dropped. And so he spent the other half of the journey going home planning to change. And he's a really capable guy, as you can imagine, if he's got such a successful yeah. business. And it was that was a November meeting. And he came back in January. And talk about a turnaround. He was two stone lighter. So he started exercising, started reading, started looking after himself. He took the two daughters out on separate days and did activities with them, planned annual holidays with his wife, three holidays, which he'd never done before, did a plan for the year and so on. And he, what was really interesting, and this come back to the horses again, he said that January was his best month in business for 12 months. So it just shows you that when, you know, when these areas are being attended to, they affect the other areas, just like the horses and the carriage, you know, they all affect each other. That's brilliant. So just to explain to people, Power 7 generally is seven, can be men, women, women a yeah. mix, whatever. Yeah, ideally, yeah. Seven people who are really business owners and they're all coming to the table talking about themselves, their family and their business, scoring it out of 10. And then, as you were saying, Barry, there's a reflection on it and it opens up into a discussion and sometimes people will pick up on the tone of the way someone spoke about maybe a certain aspect of their life, which could be the opposite to what they said. It's more the actual the tone behind it. It's amazing because you're hearing also seven different opinions or six different opinions, depending on the, the amount of people in the group. And they all come to the table with something completely different, a different angle, a different take on what you spoke about. Mm. Instead of just going to a coach, having a one-on-one -on -one session, suddenly you're getting six or seven different opinions and it really does open up your eyes. And, you know, we can't, it's very hard for us to, to look in at ourselves or our business. You need someone from the outside looking in and seeing the way we ultimately express things, our, our body language and so on. And, and yeah, we're there, we're celebrating the big wins, but we're also talking about issues we might be struggling with and, and so on. Mm. And it's, it's an open platform mm. we can talk about Con anything we confidential want. as you know 100 percent yeah. confidential that's yeah. key you know and uh, having that confidentiality and that trust you know is a really key part of it but just like you said i mean really what you described there is you're getting objectivity in your own situation that you can't get yourself because you're in it Mm. So you're having these objective views and, you know, there may not be uh, direct opinions on your situation. They just might be, you know, based on something you said, it might be an observation that somebody makes, something like that. But yeah, and so that's giving you the seven different, six, you know, yourself and the other six and me, of course, seven. Yes, because yeah. I do do participate in yeah. the same way as everybody else does. And it gives you those different perspectives that, you know, just give you some food for thought. And the whole objective is that you get new insights into your own situation to the extent that they move your mind that you want to take some action because you know I'll talk no action etc no good yeah. so that's the whole idea and as you know at the end of our meeting that's the question we ask is you know what's a key insight today what's the next action that you want to take and what advice would you give yourself 
Yeah, so I'll, I often look back on the notes that I would have taken over the years, because as I said, I'm about four years doing it, meeting up every month. And we continued on during COVID as well online. And you can see the huge steps and progress that have been made. And I think anytime any of us leave one of these meetings and we have a plan of action together, it's amazing what's accomplished. And even someone in one of our groups recently had said, OK, when I leave this meeting, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And I was like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a big ask. And then we all get a text message two days later to say he actually did it. And it's like, wow, mm. that's amazing, fair play. Mm. There was an article as well recently in the Irish Times about mm. the importance of peer groups. Like, where did you come up with the idea of this and, and why do you think peer groups are, are so important? Yeah, I'd love to say, you know, I was very clever and I designed <laughs> it all and so on, but it all happened by accident. So 18 years ago, uh, approximately, I was working with individuals, helping them with leadership development. And there was one particular individual who I really looked up to. He would have been a kind of a, an inspiration for me in business and, and, and life. He just lost his mojo. He was in his early 40s and I tried to do everything I could. Nothing seemed to work. And as a last ditch effort, I just said, what about if I surrounded him with a group of other business owners? You know, maybe he could get inspired by them. So we had a dinner and so there were seven of them and you know they had a load great great conversation and you know at the end of the night they asked me when the next meeting was and I said <laughs> I didn't know there was a next meeting so they said well can we meet now you know maybe two months time so we met two months later and just things evolved from there and that group actually still continued to meet every two months and st- today 18 years later exact same people. So Power of Seven is 18 years old. Yeah. So it's yeah. like a, a grown-up child. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And you mentioned then, you know, the, the yeah, so the when I when I witnessed what these people were getting out of this and the power of hearing peers talking, I got it. I saw, you know, I saw that power and it moved them to take action. Like that particular guy that I mentioned, you know, he was one of the best examples because, as you know, Gary, every year we a group takes a two day offsite retreat. And after his first retreat, he he realized how poorly attended his relationships were with his brother, his father and his own family, his wife and kids. And he did something like, you know, outrageous. He he went and did a round the world trip with his his wife and his two kids. And he was just it was a three month trip. And just before he kind of booked it, he he he, he pressed the option to go first class. He just said, I'm going to really invest in this. Wow. And he did. And, you know, that led to a whole lot of other things. But so like up to that point in my life, I was doing things like consulting and coaching and training. And when I saw the power of this, and that's why it's called the power of seven. When I saw the power of this, I thought this is better than anything that I've ever done before. And that's why I'm still doing it. And I know I've spoken about power seven and I'm a proud member of a power seven group and the huge benefits that I've witnessed uh, over the years of doing it. Probably there might be people out there as well who are like, I don't know if I want to come and meet a group of strangers and talk about my business, my personal life. I'd rather just talk about what's going on in the business world with people who know exactly my business and what I'm doing. But you have another business as well, which is peer-to-peer coaching within an organization itself. 
Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's called peer coaching circles. So it's it's basically the same thing, but we do it in within the same organization. So six or seven people within the same business, often they're from different functions, will come together in the exact same way as your group does. And actually, we do do the personal piece in that. Oh, yeah, excellent. we do the same three pillars. I initially was kind of a bit kind of hesitant to do that, but actually yeah. that's where the real gold is for them. So we have the exact same model. And the only thing that's different is is that I enable organizations to do it for themselves. So, for example, one of the clients I have is Integer Holdings down in New Ross. They have a thousand employees They're in the med tech sector and uh, their senior leadership team. Uh, I've been facilitating a peer coaching circle with them for the last 18 months. And uh, six of them then, vol- after 12 months, six of them volunteered to become facilitators. So I train them up as facilitators. So now they're in the process of setting up their own groups. So I, I step back from it. So it's basically teaching them how to fish. And then the whole idea is that they want to make it available to all a thousand employees over a period of time. Right. And this comes back to even that leadership event you were at 25 years ago saying afterwards, I want to do something about yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Because it's important to me because uh, this way I can scale this up as a business, but also I can help more people because if I'm just doing Power 7, I can only be with seven people yeah. at any one time, do two meetings a day maximum, you know. So there's a limit to that. Whereas this, I'm teaching people how to do what I do. Tell me about the hedgehog concept. The hedgehog concept. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, it's 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 a concept that comes from the book. The Jim, Jim Collins. Collins is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just a really simple sort of concept, which sort of says, you know, hedgehogs have one strategy, which is, you know, you know, if they're being threatened out with the spikes, you mm-hmm. know, and and that's their strategy for 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 protection. So it's the same for you know business or life is to focus in on some one singular thing. It's not to say that you only have one strategy as such, but it's really focus in on one thing. And you know, there's a guy I follow. He's over in Wales. David Hyatt is his name. He owns a company called Hyatt Jeans, and he he you know their motto is do one thing well. And they just make jeans. But yeah. they do it really, really, really well. And they're, they're you know, they're, they want to make the best jeans in the world. And their cause is to get their town working again, 400 people that used to work in a, in a textile factory there. So, yeah, it's just looking at, you know, you know, and I think nowadays, you know, certainly in my line of work, people don't want, you know, jacks of all. They want somebody that's specialist. And so I think it's this concept that if you're going to, you know, if you, you're going to have a business, well, then just focus in on doing one thing and do it really, really well. Yeah, that's the concept. Yeah. And then there's the Ivy Lee method, which is very much about goal setting, which is really what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, it's more about objective setting, right? Okay. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, there's a story about it. I won't go into it now, but basically it's it's about, you know, being focused. And that's something that we're all really challenged with nowadays because, you know, there, we're all so busy and there's so much more distractions. And, you know, we all have issues with, you know, productivity and staying focused and so many things competing with our time. So the Ivy Lee method is just basically identifying, ideally, you know, the evening before the next day, identifying the three most important tasks that you're going to do the following day. And there's a kind of a psychology about it because if you do it that evening before, unconsciously you think about it, you know, overnight and, you know, the next day you've got much better chance of staying focused on those three things. And the rule is that you don't move on to the second thing until you finish the one before it. 
And, you know, for anybody that's interested in using that method, there's a lovely little journal called the Productivity Journal. And you, know, you guys know about yeah. it. You get it online and it's a journal that helps you to learn as you go along because it gets you to et- estimate how long those things will take. And then you, you you put in what actually how long it actually takes. And, you know, what you know, we all find is that we underestimate how long things take. You know, we have this kind of belief that we'll get through our whole to-do list today and we have to, and we're kind of constantly looking at a big, long to-do list. So the concept here is just get those three things in front of you, know how long they're going to take, measure how long they do take, and just learn from that and go forward. So yeah, the Productivity Journal is a really good tool for for that. So really interesting saying that decide what you're doing tomorrow, today. Yeah. So when you're closing up today, that's the last thing you do is you decide on what the three most important things got to do tomorrow. And of course, there'll be exceptions to that. You know, things will come in that, you know, urgent things will come in and that's fine. Exceptions are fine just as long as they don't become the norm. But yeah, that's the concept. Because I think the biggest problem for a lot of people out there is they wake up in the morning, they turn on their phone and they check their emails. First thing they do. And email is there is is determining their day. Exactly. They're reacting to the emails rather than actually having a plan of action for the day saying, I'm going to do this first, and then maybe at 11 o'clock or so, I'll check my emails. Yeah, and you know, everybody's different. So some people will need to look at their emails at the beginning of the day, and that's fine. But, you know, again, just try to discipline a certain amount of time for that. You know, if you know yourself, if you've got 20 minutes to do something, you'll prioritize. You know, you won't read or reply to certain emails. If you don't have any time, you know, boundary on it, then it could be, you know, 11 o'clock before you're finished your emails. You know? Yeah, exactly. And, and let's bring that into then morning routines and the importance of them. Because I'm fascinated with yours as well, because meditation and exercise play a big part of your morning routine. Yeah, exactly. So I suppose a lot of what I do in the Power 7, you know, a lot of what I share. So, you know, one of the things that we do, as you know, at the beginning of every meeting is we do a little piece on mindset. So, you know, the mind is a big interest of mine, as you know. And so, and and hence the reason why I meditate. But yeah, I mean, I've kind of been, you know, I've had a morning routine for 25, 30 years now. And um, like the same routine, pretty much the wow. same routine. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's actually exactly the same routine. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, the actual the things I do within that, it can didn't change. And I think it's important to change it up every so often. But yeah, I mean, I heard a lovely quote one time and it's anonymous, but it says that the first hour of the morning is the rudder of the day. And I love that quote. And I've, I've, it's very true for me. You know, what you do in that first hour determines the rest of your day. So um, so when does the day begin? Whenever you get up. <laughs> what do you mean when you what say? Time, what time oh, for, are you up at? For me? Yeah. Yeah, well. Oh, make me feel bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my alarm goes off at half five and I'm up oh. for quarter to six. And again, you know, everybody's different. But like, I didn't start getting up at half five or quarter to six, you know, the beginning, you know, you work towards it. So, you know, as you mentioned, I meditate every morning, you know, I didn't, you know, yeah. And I have a, my set, my, my practice is an hour long, but like I didn't start that way, you know, I would have started with 15 minutes and I didn't start every day and started with a few days a week and you just build up, you know, but, but uh, yeah. Like that's a huge amount of commitment of time, like an hour in the morning meditating. So the complete opposite to what I would do, which is just get up and it's chaotic, whatever. This idea of just getting up at half five, quarter to six and spending an hour meditating 
I think is a huge amount of time, but obviously you find it's usually beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we do the things that we want to do and we do the things that, you know, benefit us. So like for me, you know, I, I, I actually put a post out on LinkedIn there on uh, Sunday, just saying to people, meditate, you know, just cut the bull and, and just tell them what I really think they should mm -hmm. do. And I think the world is ready for that now because I think, you know, even in business circles, people you hear constantly hearing people talking about meditation and so on. So, you know, I'm just telling them what I do and what I find beneficial. So, yeah, just just, you know, to meditate and the benefits that come for that. That's what I've outlined in the video and the, in the LinkedIn post. But yeah, you know, for me, like I, I, I suppose it's become a habit just like, you know, people get up and shower in the morning and people would feel a bit sort of uncomfortable or they might feel a bit dirty if they didn't shower. I'd be the same if I didn't meditate. It's just part of who I am and I want to do it. And I think, come back to routines, the point about the routines is that you need to develop routines that you find the joy in. Because just take like physical exercise, so which I do will say I, I, I have an hour for that. So, I, you know, like 45 minutes, but, you know, tugging out and tugging yeah, in yeah. 40, um, an hour. So I do different things like go for a run, go to the gym, uh, do some yoga or Pilates, which I'm doing now because of a lower back issue. But, you know, I, I really enjoy doing those. Like this morning I went out, for example, and it was raining. There was a time when I wouldn't go out when it was raining, mm. but like I found the joy in running in yeah, the rain because yeah. you just get the right gear. Yeah, it's great actually. And the lights and the whatever it is, you know, and, you know, and, and, and of course the benefits then, yeah, they, you know, for me, they, they're just like, it's a no brainer. But you were, you were mentioning about, you know, what I call the meds. So it's the meditation, the exercise and the diet. And if you can just start with a morning routine of that. So, you know, like, as you remember, Gary, when we went into the pandemic, your group and all the groups that I have, you know, online, we did the seven minutes meditation, mm. seven minutes hit workout, which there's an app you can get for it. There's lots of apps you can get for it. And then we didn't do the diet in that one. But, you know, I've added that since. And it's just having a healthy breakfast. So just starting with those three or even just starting with one of those three mm -hmm. and saying, OK, so which are those who I like? OK, so I'll start with a healthy breakfast. And, you know, again, I think people have a have a misunderstanding about it's all or nothing. Like there's a there's a there's a guy called uh, Zach Bush. If you if any of your listeners are interested, look him up online. And he's got a four minute workout that you can do in the morning. And his claim, and it's very well backed up by his science research, is that this four minutes releases nitric oxide in your body and will give you the equivalent benefit of an hour in the gym. Right? Wow. Yeah. And he encourages you actually to do it three times a day because he's talking to all of us that sit down working all day and he's yeah. saying, you know, you need to get up. So the ideal is you do these four minutes three times a day. But even if you just do the, the, the start with the four minutes in the morning and, you know, coming back to the time, like, you know, it's a question of you know, maybe just setting that intention, you know, the night before and just, you know, set the alarm clock a little bit earlier and just start off with that four minutes or, you know, you're going to eat your breakfast anyway. So just a healthy breakfast or, you know, a little bit of meditation. So my motto in life in general is, you know, just short and frequent. The frequency is the key thing. The consistency is the key thing. And I think it's something, unfortunately, that's lacking a lot in modern living is this steadfastness, this ability to be able to stick at something. Mm -hmm. People find it difficult, but that's because they're often start out with unrealistic expectations True. and goals and so yeah. on, you know. So, yeah. so you get up in the morning, you meditate. Yeah. You it's exercise. the very first thing I do. So I don't go anywhere but straight to the meditation cushion 
and meditate. That's an hour. And, and would you have music on in the background or anything? No, my my type of meditation. Don't use music. Silence. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And then you exercise. Yeah. And then do you do affirmations or goal setting? No, I don't. You know, I have a different system, as you know, for the goal setting. So the goal setting, uh, you know, I do an annual sort of setting of goals and cor- break it down into quarterlies. What I do there is I have a thing called Stop the Week. So every Sunday morning, I have a little ritual. I think you know With about that. With the stones. Yeah. yeah do you want to tell really, about Yeah, that? please. Yeah. yeah. So it's just something I picked up online. It was is back about 15 or so years ago. And what the suggestion was, was gather as many stones as you think you'll uh, to represent each week that you think you'll live for, for the rest of your life. So I kind of did a calculation on, I don't know, it was 85 or something and took away the, the, the age I was and worked out the number of stones, 1450 something, <laughs> and uh, put them into a jar. And each one of those represents a week. So on a Sunday morning, usually around 11, thereabouts, just pick up a stone and there's a pier just down from my house and it's a seven minute walk and on the way down I just think about the things that I did well last week in relation to what I had planned to do and then I just uh, get down to the pier just flick the stone into the water and just make a key focus for the week so this week it's on wisdom it's a type of wisdom I won't go into it okay and then on the way back then I look at the you know, I have six roles that are important to me. So being a father, a husband, you know, my health and financial, uh, etc. son. And I just decide on one little action to try and progress over the next week. And, you know, I, I, I used to do it a lot more formally. Now it's more informal because I'm so used to it. And you just think about those and then I stick them into my phone with a reminder that's set for quarter past five every morning. So I'll have a look at that just as I'm going for my meditation. What are my focuses this week? You know, just those little things that I need to do. And so that's my stop the week kind of ritual. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's it's really grounding exercise as well because you're you're taking that stone out of that jar every week knowing that you've all of us like but that you have less yeah. time on this earth now yeah and that doesn't you know the stones don't guarantee anything you know no no as you know you could be <laughs> yeah. killed you know yeah and like i it, it's interesting because i actually started off with two jars <laughs> i just didn't have a jar big enough for the stones so i'm on one jar now <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah it does it, it gives you a kind of sense of your mortality and yeah how important every uh, every week every day is every minute yeah, just try and make it meaningful. And that's where the joy is. That's where you you get joy out of having a meaningful life, you know, purposeful life. It doesn't have to be boring. As you know, like, mm. I love a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah. But, it's you know, we can have fun and be purposeful and enjoy ourselves and just know what you don't want to do and where you don't want to spend your time. You know, like, I'm a, we have a television now, but it kind of happened because my parents used to come and visit us and television evolved. But we didn't have a television for 13 years because we just weren't interested in television. You know, and it's amazing the freedom that gives you. As in when you're a child or? No, in like my wife now. Yeah, we didn't have a TV for 13 years. Okay, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, we just got the uh, TV license thing this week. So we're thinking just getting rid of it again because our daughter's left the house and we we hardly watch it, you know, so. Yeah, because in the office, obviously, we're all film buffs. We're talking about latest shows on Netflix and Amazon Prime and all that. But it's getting mad now. It's There's so much content out there. And everyone's trying to watch everything and obviously yeah. we can't. And 
at the end of the day, if you never saw Game of Thrones, does it really matter? <laughs> I know. We were talking about this at the dinner table yesterday and you know how you feel awkward if everybody's saying, oh, have you seen so-and-so and you haven't seen it? You yeah. know, but you get used to that because, you know, again, it's about just spending your time, which is limited yeah. on the things that are important to you. And so it comes back to the kind of the morning routine, you know, that's important to me. So it's not for other people and it's not for everybody. But, you know, what I'd encourage everybody to do is find their thing and, you know, and, and, you know, just work at it and just, you know, little bit, bit, you know, small bit at a time, it builds up to a massive effect over time. And how do people get clarity on finding their thing? Well, one way is do one of the retreats like that we do, the group. So, as I said, every year we have a, a two-day retreat and the first one is called Clarity. And that came out of a process that I went through myself, I took myself through. So, you know, back before I got married, I was kind of looking at, you know, the longer term and, you know, yeah, I was looking for clarity. I think a lot of people are looking for clarity. And uh, with great help from the likes of Stephen Covey, I was a great fan of his and his books and so on. And I kind of, you know, between some of his stuff and other stuff, I kind of put together a kind of a workbook for myself and filled it out and ended up with a roadmap for the future. It's like 15 year roadmap. And what was key and is kind of, you know, key part of that is 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 defining or, or finding your purpose because I think everybody has their purpose it's already in them they just need to find it. And once you find 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 your purpose that's the key to clarity because everything else flows from that. So as you know we have a process like for 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 helping people to find their purpose just through a series of questioning and just reflection and uh, just looking at, you know, what brings them alive and things like that. And yeah, and then, you know, I think ingredients to clarity are time to stop and reflect, time to look back. So you did the walk of life, for example. It's a really good exercise to kind of see what's the thread that's been running through your life. And do you want to continue that thread or do you want to cut it and start a new one? And I think, you know, spaciousness, comfort, a bit of meditation, you know, for that reflection, for that sort of stillness and good conversation like you have with each other in the group and, you know, put that together. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily always give you the 100% clarity at the beginning, but it's a starting point that you can work from and uh, you can take it from there. Yeah. What sort of questions should one ask themselves in terms of trying to get a deeper understanding of their purpose? So I'm trying to remember now there's uh, four questions. One is, you know, one is what what am I really good at so what's a real strength that I have next one then is what contribution do I want to make to the world or what kind of change do I want to make to the world right and then the next one is is you know what can I do that could make good economic sense because if if it's like say a job or or that it needs to make good sense and then the the last one then is is you know what is it that I'm really passionate about Right. So, you know, when you put your strength together uh, against something that you want to change in the world, that's got a good economic viability to it and, you know, you're passionate about it and you overlap those four questions, you know, like intersecting circles, Mm. it'll start to give you an insight into what your real purpose in life. And I want to add this one, right, because this is something that I have observed in myself and observed in other people. And I've been, you know, facilitating groups find their clarity for, for a number of years now. And I've noticed this in nearly every case. And there was a point in time when I was wondering, should I say this to people or should I not? Because it's kind of like, it's kind of like fast forwarding their process. 
but I've decided that I should because I think it really helps them. And that's that's and here it is. And this is a, if if your purpose is not some has not got something to do with helping others or bringing some benefit into the world, it's not a worthy purpose, and it won't like it won't really bring you to life. So because I think that's the one thing that most people have in common is, is that their purpose is not all about them. Mm. It's about doing something for other people. That's when we're really, you know, we really become alive. So I would just sort of say that to listeners that, you know, make sure that it's got something to do with helping other people. Yeah, I even remember after doing one of those retreats, I came home and I asked my daughter, who's nine years of age today. I said, said, uh, what you want to do to make the world a better place? As opposed to what you want to be when you grow up. Yeah, lovely, lovely. You know? That's great. And her answer at the time was helping animals get better. And Brilliant. we'll see if, if yeah. that's still what she thinks in nine or ten yeah. years. But it is this thing of not focusing on oneself, but what you can do. And I think very much the Dalai Lama has something along those lines of, you know, our purpose should be to help others. And if we can't help them, not to do something that'll be the complete opposite in creating more yeah. ha- hassle for them or, yeah. or more problems, you know? That's right, yeah. Um, so yeah. If you try and help someone, and if you can't, stop there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, don't do any harm. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it comes back to what the Dalai Lama and, you know, their uh, Buddhists would say is the, is the key to happiness, which is, you know, is actually helping and loving others, cherishing others. And so when you're in service of others, that's what really makes us happy. So that's why mm-hmm. it's a really meaningful purpose when we got that focus, because the opposite, what makes us unhappy is focusing on ourselves all the time, preoccupied with ourselves, me, me, me. Yeah. Of course, we need to look after ourselves, but we can do that in the service of our purpose, which should be focused on others. And as a result, you know, you're happy. Like you see Peter McFerry, you see Sister Stan, you know, Irish people, you know, really purposeful, you know, they don't really need much for themselves. And, you know, you can tell that they are contented people. They, they don't have any riches, you know, they're, they're just ordinary people, but they're in service of others. And you can see that they're content, I would say, happy people. Certainly Sister Stan is extremely happy person. I think Peter Very, McFerry as well. They have tough like paths, but yeah. Uh, yeah. There was an interesting conversation as well in one of the Power 7 groups recently where someone was talking about, you know, they didn't give a figure, but they wanted to earn so much more because they had see they saw that as a way of showing their success, that they were earning more and more. The the turnover was increasing every year. And the question was put to them, you know, what exactly is it that you need to be happy? You know, what's sufficient? Because sometimes we think we need more than we actually do need Definitely. just to survive and be happy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that question, like, you know, what do I need is a much more rich question than, you know, what, you know, how much money do I need? You know, do I want even? Mm. Because when it comes down to our needs, they're actually quite basic. You know, we don't need that much. You know, we need good relationships. You know, we need to be healthy. We need a roof over our head, you know. And yeah, so it's a really good question, you know, to kind of help define, you know, what what you're going to go after is what do I actually need? You spoke about clarity, but also something that you focus on in the Power 7 groups is leadership. Can everyone be a leader? Mm, That's a good question. I think everybody can be a leader. Then there are some that are naturally better than others. You know, things like a lot of things. Mm. But 
you know, if your question is, is, you know, can we develop ourselves, become a leader? I think we can. And yeah, my, you know, leadership is something I'm really passionate about. It started, about, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. I was at a conference and there was a speaker from England talking. It was in Dublin and he was he was telling Ireland that we need to wake up. We need to do something about our leadership. And he said, Ireland, you need better leaders. I, John Adair is his name, Professor John Adair. He was the first professor of leadership in the world in Exeter University. So I went up to him afterwards and he just, he touched me and I said, I want to do something about this. And I said, would you be my mentor? And he said, drop me an email. So I dropped him an email and nothing for two weeks. And and then he came back and he said, Barry, I really want to help you on your journey, but I don't have time. But I have asked a friend of mine, he's also a professor of leadership at Exeter, if he'd be your mentor. And I would highly recommend him. He's a really good guy. That's leadership, isn't it? Delegate. Yeah. <laughs> Delegating yeah. Well, I thought he was really good. You know, like it was not no. So, what, come, you know, what can I do to help this guy? So uh, Alan Hooper, who's uh, still my mentor uh, 25 years later, wow. Alan and I struck up a relationship. And yeah, so I, I at that time, I wanted to set up an academy for leadership. And at the same time, there was uh, people in the in Ballyvaughan and uh, County Clare wanting to do the same thing. So we talked and we joined forces and we set up the Burn Leadership Forum. And, and that's still going, and although albeit in a different guise. And I stepped out of it uh, a couple of years ago to focus more on, on other things. But yeah, I mean, for me, you know, leadership is about two things. And I call it the leadership coin. So it's like one side of the coin is leading yourself and the other side is leading others. And my view is that in order to lead others well, you need to be able to lead yourself well. So that's probably come up in some of our mm. conversations so yeah. far. Leading yourself, you know, it just means like, you know, like we're talking earlier about getting clarity on yourself, you know, routines, focus, you know, discipline, you know, all of that kind of thing. And managing yourself. You know, who who wants to be managed by somebody or led by somebody that can't manage or lead themselves? True. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of my view is that, you know, focus on the self and actually the other will come quite naturally. So you ask, can we all become leaders? If you lead yourself well, you can be a very good leader of others. And there was another thing I came across recently, which was, you know, people will follow you. And a good leader to be followed is one who people value what you stand for. Yeah. What you believe in, which again goes back to purpose. Purpose and values, yeah. which is part of that roadmap. You know, what are your values? What are your principles? I heard a lovely analogy once of, you know, thinking of your principles or your values as like, you know, fence posts, you know, in a circle. So you 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 have these five or six principles that you live by, you know, so you can imagine it as like a, a circular fence and you live in the middle of it and outside you don't want to go because they're your principles. And, you know, I remember thinking first, well, that's kind of confining, but actually it's not. It's actually, it actually helps you to live your life in a kind of a, in a, in a purposeful, you know, principled way. So you know that outside those stakes, you just don't want to go. And it just helps you, gives you guidance for your life. And it helps you make decisions quicker and better as well. Absolutely. Because I think decision making is knowing more about what you don't want than what you do want. When you're clear about what you don't want, what you don't do, who you're not, then you know who you are. Was there any big learnings during COVID that you witnessed from organizations kind of nearly being turned upside down and trying to get through that? I mean, we were very lucky because after six weeks, we were deemed essential workers. So we were back out on the road 
but there was other businesses where they just had to come to a standstill. And I know the the business owners out there that you work with, they all come from various fields of expertise. Was there anything that you noticed with those even who just had to stand still and, and wait? What interests me most was the initial reaction to the pandemic. Because as you all, as as you know, like we didn't know how long it was going to go on for. You know, some people thought it was three weeks, three months. You know, certainly didn't think it was going to go on for two and a half years. So I think those initial reactions. So there was like different kind of categories of reaction. There was people that were like rabbit in the headlights. There was people that just procrastinated. And then there was those that sort of said, let's take a longer view on this. Let's use this as an opportunity. So there's one in in particular that really stood out for me, which is a family run business. And what they did was they took the opportunity to take a long term perspective of radical change for the business. And they actually used the the virtual working to their advantage. And so, you know, they were already in international markets, but they accelerated that in international markets. Like they doubled the number of, of, of countries that they, they now sell to. But what was really interesting was they created a whole strategic plan. They actually took a 50 year view. They kind of said, who are we in 50 years time? Because oh. they're a family business. Yeah. And they were at a critical stage as well as succession. So they took this 50-year plan of who they were going to be and, and all of that and did a roadmap for that. But they they just got on it so quick, you know, and I thought the leadership of the guy who's in one of the groups, you know, I thought it was just unbelievably, I suppose, insightful and wise and courageous because he made he took some really courageous decisions. So, yeah, they, they you know, that, that company comes to mind. And then there's others, you know, and I think in general, my observation is that the guys that were in groups all did quite well over the pandemic because they had the group to be able to bounce things around yeah, yeah, absolutely. and they had that support and yeah. you're hearing about what other guys in your group are doing so that kind of brings you along so actually you know i think as a as a as a, as a community of groups they all did quite well like we we haven't had anybody that's you know suffered badly from the pandemic in any of the groups and that includes people in hospitality i remember when our group was online with you and you said Wow, you're also positive. This is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was true. that sense of it was great, firstly, to see everyone again, yeah. even though it was online, it wasn't in person. But we were all alive. We were all healthy. Yeah. We we're still as ambitious as ever. And then, yeah, as you said, we all just started driving each other again. Yeah. You know, it, it fell back to, again, the three pillars, talking about them, doing yeah. reflections. So the meeting carried on as it would have the month previous in yeah. person. And we just got on with it and just started kind of encouraging each other yeah. and moving forward. Yeah. As we wrap up our discussion today, Barry, is there any kind of tips or takeaway points that you would advise or maybe some wisdom you could dispense on our listeners, especially those in business today? I suppose uh, reflecting on kind of the different conversations we've had, if I was listening to this conversation you know, and I was thinking, I'm I'm out there and I'm a business owner. And by the way, we do have groups that are for managers as well. It's not just business owners. But if I was out there and I was thinking, you know, what can I do? I think it's like, it's, it's surround yourself with, you know, other people that are as good, if not better than you. And they want to help each other. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a power seven. Like it could be a course, you know, and you just have the people on the course or whatever. But it's it's almost like invest in yourself. Mm. You know, I, I, I have a theme every year and two years ago it was learning. And I 
I put a large, quite a large sum of money aside or budget for for learning that year. And what it did was it just gave me, you know, the ability to be able to do this course, go on that conference, you know, whatever it was. But it was the best money I ever spent, you know, because if you invest in yourself, then, you know, that's going to give you multiple returns in your life and in your business. So I would say that is invest in yourself because and and find things that are going to help to bring you alive. Like maybe people that are, you know, in business, they've probably done a lot of the formal education. So they're, they're asking, what do I do next? You know, well, you know, you know, the likes of what we're doing is, is, is something, you know, maybe it's a one-to-one coaching. Maybe it's going off and doing something like, you know, um, what did they call it? Naked, what did they call it? Um, men on fire. There's a big, oh, yeah. in, in America, I don't know. I don't know even much about it. But go and do something that you've never done before. You know, outward bound course or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so just kind of change things up because we get, we get stale. We all get stale. So, you know, freshen things up and especially yourself. Brilliant. No, I love it. Highly recommend Power 7. If people want to get more information, they can go to po7.ie. I think what really works about it also is you're meeting the same people every month. So you don't have to keep explaining what's going on or who you are or what you're doing. It's like tuning into your favorite show every month. So you know exactly the backstory and you're finding out what's happened in the last few weeks. There is that consistency. And it's like what you were talking about earlier as well, Barry, is The one thing I love coming out of those meetings, not only having clarity and having some actionable goals, it's also knowing that I helped others. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. There's huge learning and benefit in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us on Gary Talks. Pleasure. Barry now works with a number of companies setting up peer coaching circles where companies can have internal Power of Seven groups creating a form for employees to coach each other and solve their most challenging problems. These mastermind meetings provide businesses with all the tools and strategies necessary for success, not just for the success of the business, but success, I suppose, for the employee themselves. And I think when you have a happy, content employee, it benefits the business. I highly recommend these programs. For more information about Peer Coaching Circles and Barry Walsh, visit his website, po7.ie. That's it from me. Thank you for listening, as always, to Gary Talks. And I would always say at the end, please follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. But we've also joined the world of TikTok. So any TikTokers out there, please do follow us on TikTok as well. Also, if you can spread the word about the podcast, that would be great and follow it or subscribe on whatever platform you listen to the show on. Enjoy your week and I look forward to talking to you again on Friday for a short bonus episode of Business Bites. Take care.